This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Spinner. Welcome to Notebook, a guide to art, culture and tourism in Tokyo. My name's Stuart Monroe and around this time each Monday, Wednesday and Friday, I'll bring news and views from Japan. On today's episode, we look at the work of two Japanese photographers. But first, Myanmar. At a cabinet meeting earlier this week, the Japanese government revealed that Japan's self-defense forces are still accepting trainees from Myanmar's military responsible last year for dissolving the democratically elected National League for Democracy in a coup d'etat. According to a written statement, as of November 30th this year, Japan's Ministry of Defense has accepted eight candidates from Myanmar to the National Defense Academy and is training them for roughly five years. An army lieutenant is undergoing roughly two years of training, with the officer candidate school also accepting an Air Force lieutenant from Myanmar for roughly nine months. And accepting these candidates has, as you might imagine, been heavily criticised. Meanwhile, the Shilogane Blupondo Ao Ike, near the town of Bie in central Hokkaido, is being illuminated once again this year. A man maple that's a deep iridescent blue is fed by the local Bie River and nearby volcanic Mount Tokachi. Work to dam the river and control the mudslides following an eruption there in 1988 gave way to aluminium entering the water, scattering sunlight and causing the pond to appear more blue than it really is and with its surface freezing over earlier this month, the pond has turned bright white. Now LED lights placed carefully around the pond's perimeter illuminate the pool at night, and will continue doing so throughout the winter until April the 30th next year. Looking back and away from the covert and the tranquil of today's news, Monday's note was one of shifting tectonic plates and stolen gems. He looked forward to a screening tonight of Duo, the 1997 film directed by Nobuhiro Suwa at the Metrograph Theatre in New York. Screen sheets stay until next Thursday, December the 15th. Monday's Night also brought up the upcoming screening of Neko Mimi, directed by experimental filmmaker Jun Kurosawa at Centre, two hours north of Tokyo, and set to take place on Saturday, December the 17th. The same episode also reported on the Indonesian villages in East Java, evacuated after the volcanic eruption of Mount Sumera along with news of three British men detained in Britain for their alleged involvement in the robbery of jewellery worth over 100 million yen from a boutique in central Tokyo. Wednesday's note explored Orden, a winter dish dating back to the 17th century Muromachi period, named after the traditional Den Gashi dancers and a stable food following the Great Kanto Earthquake of 1923. And with the government pausing plans to raise taxes, but increasing the number of troops near heavily disputed islands in Japan's southwestern region, and a sudden building fire in Nagasaki threatening a temple that had survived numerous other fires in the past, Orden may seem like the ultimate respite. It's also the type of thing you eat on the way to eating something else, and with end-of-year celebrations in sight, it's perfect to eat while bidding the year farewell, or thinking of the year ahead. Today's note, though, turns to two subjects and two Japanese photographers, 
the body's not the first thing that comes to mind when taking pictures. Take the French writer Roland Barthes, for example, who declared the finger, not the eye, to be the most vital part of anyone behind the camera. The Japanese photographer Goetami describes everything in his pictures as even-handed. When everything's in focus, he says, there's no distinction between things of value or things worth looking at, and things that aren't. His pictures, at times coincidental and other times orchestrated, are serious, laboured and like a novel he came across by pure chance, bouncing between subject matter, assignments and daily photographs, attempting to figure out the importance of each picture. His latest exhibition at Keiwayumi in Tokyo's Kagurazaka takes its name for the novel Don Quixote by the Spaniard Miguel de Cervantes, a chance find that attempts to surprise even himself in the search for focus. The book, though, has a long history of both light-hearted and troubled productions. Filmmaker Telly Gillingham has made a career with films like Time Bandits, Brazil and The Fishy King, taking the absurd and giving it a human heart. But the one story that seemed to elude him was Cervantes' own novel. Try as he might, he couldn't bring his version entitled The Man Who Killed Don Quixote to screen. And that project began in 1989 and was played by no end of setbacks, one of which saw an entire film set destroyed by bad weather while other attempts either lost their lead actor or failed to raise enough funds to make the film in the first place. But his persistence paid off, and Gilliam's version finally was premiered in 2018. I mention all of this because despite Itami's work despairing no similarity with Telly Gilliam whatsoever, there is something similar in how painstakingly deliberate and thought through the exhibition is, where the world pictured is not focused on one thing, but focusing on everything while trying to carve out the central image of someone bouncing back and forth between things, objects and people, personal or otherwise. An installation made in cooperation with Dot Architects of Osaka intentionally frames pictures on a network of freestanding walls, with colour picking out elements in the gallery for no apparent reason, distracting the eye where everything matters and then doesn't. Elsewhere, Miki Kohada has just published a new collection of photographs entitled Small Myths, spanning 25 years from 1996 until 2021. Winner of the 42nd Ihei Kimura Prize of Photography, and author of a string of photo books including These Are Days, as well as Change featuring the writing of Stephen Dixon, her pictures centre around the family and the everyday. They're shot from the hip, so to speak, or the chest to be more precise, and despite her vague sense of what she's capturing, each picture ends up involving more than she might have expected or even hoped for. Shooting from the chest, she once admitted, was her way of incorporating Charles into the image. Possibly because she's not looking through the camera's viewfinder, but each picture, whether it be a couple walking, children on a train or an old man sitting next to a small child, all appear more casual and less orchestrated, without waiting for the right moment to simply happen. The camera's cutting out a scene, as she puts it, a scene she seems to witness, but not. If there is a theme for today's notebook, it would be representation presenting things one way, only for them to be seen in another. Japanese photography has a rich history of extracting images of the world, as surprising for the author as they are for everyone else. And with the human present in the work of both Goetami and Miki Kohara, but in vastly different ways. Itami's Don Quixote, which also happens to be the name of a store here in Japan that sells anything and everything, as well as Hara's small myths, are in her own words neither an affirmation nor a denial of the world they actually come from. Goetami's Don Quixote at Keiwayumi Gallery runs until next January the 29th, 
while Mikiko Hara's Small Myths is available now from Tor's Commune. That's all for now. I'll be back for next week's first instalment on Monday, December the 12th. And if you enjoyed this episode, you might consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or even think about spreading the word online. Until then, thanks for listening. This continues to be Notebook. Notebook.